Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Since December of 2020, when an untested experimental vaccine, a term which I use loosely, but since this was rolled out, we have seen an alarming increase in injuries, illness, and death. Many occur in otherwise healthy individuals with no previous medical history, yet any attempt to correlate these unfortunate events with the jab is met with extreme hostility, gaslighting, and censorship. American workers began to find themselves faced with what seemed like an impossible decision to make. Many had concerns about safety and efficacy, yet these were scoffed at and disregarded. Anyone who dared to question the narrative became public enemy number one. Whether it was due to societal pressures or the threat of losing the ability to provide for their families, many of these individuals fell victim to either death or devastation after being coerced into a medical intervention that they did not have a full understanding of. Informed consent never existed with these shots. In fact, I will go further to say that any medical professional who uttered the words safe and effective in the absence of appropriate clinical trials should be stripped of their licensure and brought up on charges. Through my work at Nurse Freedom Network, I have made it my mission and priority to help elevate the stories of those who have been affected by this travesty. I am so grateful to have the platform here on Nurses Out Loud that allows me to do so. I want the world to hear a different perspective than the narrative that is repeatedly forced down our throats. A perspective that those in power do not want you to hear, but one that can no longer be ignored. You're listening to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. Before we get started today, I do want to encourage our listeners, if you have questions or comments, perhaps you want to share your own experiences with what you're seeing on the front lines of healthcare, you can now submit those to any of the hosts by sending them directly to nurses at americaoutloud.com. We would love to hear from you. We encourage all of you to engage in the battle and find your voice in this fight. But until you're able to do that, we will continue to be that voice for you. Joining me today is Tim McAdams. Tim is a pilot who was mandated by his employer, Airbus Helicopters, to receive this experimental jab. Despite being an otherwise extremely healthy individual, Tim suffered two cerebellar strokes. This is a very rare stroke in the cerebellum that accounts for only one to 4% of all strokes. Despite this occurring within just three weeks of his Pfizer vaccine, Tim's doctors refused to draw any correlation. They didn't know what caused his strokes, but they somehow knew it definitely wasn't that. Tim, thank you for coming on today to share your story. Thank you, Kimberly, for having me. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Um, So I want to kind of let you 
share your story from the beginning, if you would, you know, let's talk about um, your you coming to the decision to get vaccinated. Am I right in uh, believing that you were hesitant to, to have that in, in the beginning? That is correct. I was very much against it. But to me, it was a matter of risk management because I was a right. very, very healthy individual. Yeah. And I think that that is really what should have been happening was, you know, risk versus benefit. And I was saying that from the very beginning, um, you know, it, it should have been rolled out to people who maybe had multiple comorbidities and maybe the best option for them would have been to get the shot. But if you're otherwise healthy and, you know, you have a great immune system, you know, I, I think for the most part, most of us would have been just fine. But unfortunately, it was just, you know, the, the shot in every arm to me always seemed like a very dangerous um, proposition to be making. It was very dangerous to be suggesting that every single person on the planet get a shot in their arm. But so you were hesitant. But what was it? Was it the employee mandate that made you um, decide to get that shot? So I'll let you go ahead and tell your story and then we'll talk a little bit more about it. Okay, thank you. All through 2020 and most of 2021, um, I've been traveling back and forth to Germany for my job and felt that I was a very healthy individual, never smoked, don't drink, ate very healthy, um, had was not overweight at all, and um, worked out probably six times a week um, just to maintain my health. And so... At that time, I didn't think, even though I was traveling overseas a lot, I did not think that I needed the vaccine and didn't want it. But then in the summer of 2021, my employer mandated it for either get, get the shot or get fired. So at that point, my wife and I discussed it because uh, I had been with them for over 10 years and had our retirement planned out so that I could retire mm, 65, 70, somewhere in there. Um, I'm currently 61. Uh, and then, so I decided, which I deeply regret now, and had I known what was, what was held, I would never have done. I would have lost my job, and I wouldn't care. But at the time, I decided to get the shot. And um, like you said in the intro, three weeks after the the last dose of the Pfizer, I suffered two strokes, um, ended up in the hospital for close to 90 days, uh, close to 30 of that in a neuro ICU. Um, I had a tracheotomy put in, had emergency brain surgery, uh, a craniotomy where they remove part of the skull, and but they don't go back in or place it since it was in the rear of my head. Right. Um, and it's it mainly affected my balance. Um, and I, to this day, almost two years later, I still get dizzy every day a little bit. Um, I'm hoping that that will, uh, over time, fade away. But um, And some of the doctors told me it might, but as of now, it hasn't. And, um, and while I was in the hospital, I, had, I couldn't swallow at first when I first came out of the surgery. Mm -hmm breathe so they put a tracheotomy in which they said they would remove when my breathing returned which they did so i don't have it now i just have a scar um and then once i was able to swallow um and i had undergone 
undergone a lot of swallow tests where they watch you on x-ray, um, you're swallowing. Yep. And that bully came back. And so they removed the feeding tube and I was able to just eat normal food. Um, but when they were done with me medically, um, I had to go to rehab to learn to walk. Um, first, I was in a wheelchair, then a walker, then a cane. And then as my balance came back a little bit, I was able to stand and walk. And so and that's where I am now. So, so let me, so the doctors obviously never would have suggested that the, the jab may have been the cause of your stroke. What was it for you that made you kind of connect those dots and start questioning, hey, do, do you think it's the vaccine that may have caused this? Yeah, that's um, the first time that it, it occurred to me was it was when I, when I was in the hospital and a nurse had come in to do something with my IV and then a doctor had come in with a result of an exam or a test that they had run. Um, and he said they couldn't find any reason. Um, so I asked him, I said, um, do you have any idea what could have happened? And he said, no, we don't. Um, he said, what, what happened in your life, said the three months prior to the stroke? And I told him, well, the only thing is that I got vaccinated. Um, and he was quick, very, very quick to dismiss that and then left. Yeah. Um, and then after he left, the nurse who had stopped um, working with my IV when he started speaking and started doing her job again, and she said to me, she goes, well, for political reasons, you'll never get a doctor in this hospital to admit or to say that the vaccine had anything to do with it. But I think it did. And I would encourage you to research that and contact Veers and so on when, when you get released from the hospital. So that was my first indication that um, they, they were related. And was it reported to theirs? Did the nurse report it or the hospital or did you report it yourself to theirs? Um, yes, we, my, myself and my wife, we reported because mm -hmm. when I first got out of the hospital, um, you know, I wasn't very um, able to do certain things. So my wife was a huge help. Yeah. Well, it's because it's interesting that the nurse had mentioned to you theirs, so she was aware of, of theirs, but I, I think that mo many nurses and doctors clearly don't understand that they are actually mandatory reporters. They should have, they're required to report your uh, stroke if it, it happened, um, you know, after that vaccine. They are mandatory theirs reporters, and they are not doing their job. And, and it's, a, I, I will say I'm kudos to this nurse because she actually said something and she was aware of theirs. You wouldn't believe how many nurses and doctors don't even understand what theirs is, that it even exists or how to file a report. Um, so we have a great nurse that we work with, Ashley Grog, um, who has started the campaign, the Theirs Project. Um, and she is really going out there and educating nurses and healthcare professionals and the general public about theirs, what it is, and letting nurses know that they are mandatory reporters and, and uh, giving them education on how to file these reports. Because if you filed yourself, you understand it's a very cumbersome process. It's not easy. You're right. They, they seem like they make it very hard mm -hmm. because we have, it was an all-day process to yep. do a simple thing. And from what I understand, the nurse that said that to me, she was a contract nurse because there was a lot of them at the time. Right. Um, 
So she had no allegiance to that hospital that I was in at all. Right. And I think that's that's to, to me was what's so disturbing is that more of the nurses aren't standing up, um, you know, and I can I, I guess I can to a certain degree understand, you know, the fear of repercussions. But as nurses, it is our job. It is our duty to be advocating for our patients, for what's best for our patients. And I see less and less of that happening. And I think that that's true. I saw less and less of it when we had more contract nurses that were coming in. Um, you know, they were paying nurses an awful lot of money for these contract assignments. I can remember I was an ICU nurse and I had gotten, um, you know, calls and texts all the time that I could go and get deployed out to these kind of hot spots like New York City or Texas was one of them for a while where I could be making $10,000 a week as an ICU nurse, which is unheard of. Um, it's, it's more than physicians make. So there's a lot of money. And to me, it always seemed like it almost it seemed like there was it seemed like hush money to me. Because how can you control people and get them to you know, keep their mouth shut and keep them in, falling in line is you give them money and you give them something you, they don't want to lose. I never bid on that. I, you know, a lot of people thought I should have taken, uh, taken that. And I just, to me, it just seemed like just a way to keep us falling in line. Would you agree with that? I would agree totally with everything you said. And I have two very close friends who are both our heads who would say, 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 they say the same thing. And um, they are also convinced that the, the, um, and there, one got her job threatened for not being vaccinated and the other one didn't, but they, they both are not vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, it was interesting to me that they started to roll these out and they wanted the healthcare workers to do it first. And I thought that was strange. I thought, well, you know, it's, we don't really have the safety data. I, I wasn't um, comfortable with it. And I thought, well, gee, if, if, you know, this takes all of the nurses out, well, who's going to take care of everybody else? Um, but they started coming. It seems to me like the healthcare workers, the frontline workers, the, the firefighters, the, the military, the police officers. And then I started seeing a pattern. I felt like they were coming after the protectors. Right. Everybody that is typically standing in the gap, advocating and caring for society as a whole. These are the people that they came after first. And it was almost as if they were trying to get that that line of defense and remove it from the general public. And I would agree with that. And Kimberly, I hope you can hear me OK. I can. It's getting a little strained because mm -hmm. in, in when I had my emergency brain surgery, and I was intubated, and they tried to remove the tube. I couldn't breathe. They yeah. put it back, and they left it in just a little too long. And now I have a little bit of damage on my voice box. So it's um, my voice con tends to get strained more. I talk the more and more I talk. So I'm hoping you're able to understand me. Yeah, no, you're perfect. I can hear you perfectly and understand you very, uh, very clearly. So, but thank you. But I'm curious though, Tim, what, so prior to 2021, prior to getting this vaccine and even being hesitant about getting this vaccine because of the lack of safety data and all of that. But prior to that, what was your stance on vaccines in general? I, I approached it like I approached all the things in my life at the time, which was risk management. Yeah. If it was, I, I view them as very risky, but if you were the kind of person that it was a, a better risk for you to take the vaccine, then 
to contract some virus or some something else, then um, again, I would I would view everything in the turn in the in the view of risk management. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, that's a very smart way to handle it. I think as you know, I didn't come into the fight anti-vax at all. I've been in healthcare for 26 years. And, you know, nurses, people are surprised, but nurses don't really get any education on vaccines. The only education that we get as nurses is safe, effective and necessary. We get the narrative. Um, and that's just kind of, you know, just beaten into us that it's safe, it's effective, it's necessary, it saves lives you know, this is something that has to be done. So I was pretty much pro-vaccine my entire life and nursing career. You know, I had had most of my vaccines, my childhood vaccines, my son had all of his childhood vaccines. And, you know, I I unfortunately really never questioned it. This is something that I really regret now. I mean, as a healthcare worker, I vaccinated children. And it's something that I hold a lot of shame over. I try to give myself grace, but I hold a lot of shame over that because, you know, we as nurses, again, we didn't really know much about that, but we were encouraging parents to vaccinate their children. And we didn't even know what was in them for the most part. And that's something that I've really had to give myself a lot of grace about because, you know, when you don't know, you don't know, but when we know better, we're called upon to do better. So that's what I've been trying to do at this point. But I did, my point being is that I didn't come into this and um, anti-vax. I came into this hesitant because we had a lack of safety data and, and trials, but the more and more I saw them pushing this vaccine, the more hesitant I became and the deeper I started looking at the overall, you know, vaccine program and, you know, come to find out that there's actually no evidence, there's zero evidence that any vaccine has a reduced mortality of any disease. There's no evidence of that. It's clean water systems that we have to thank for that sort of thing. So I think realizing that we have just been bombarded with propaganda and it's so clear to see now it's like you can't see you don't either you're awake to it and aware to it or you're not and it's i feel like before uh these last three years my eyes were just not open to it covid changed everything you know as a very allopathically trained nurse it changed everything for me and i started viewing things differently you can't once you see you can't unsee so it's been it's been interesting to you know, I'm at the point where they they won't come at me with as much as a TB skin test. I am completely done. I won't not recommend another vaccine. I will not get another vaccine. Um, are you pretty much in that same stance, or do you feel like that there might be still some some room there for some vaccines in the future? Right now, I am and and right in there with you. Um, and I'm just learning about this because prior to COVID, I I knew nothing. But now, Matt, the more I learn the more I'm done with everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, exactly. And and like you, I would not consider myself an anti-vaxxer, um, more of an anti-mandate person. Right. And that was my message. You know, when I started Nurse Freedom Network, that was my message. I said, you know, I, I'm not anti-vax, not at all. I said, I'm just, I believe that for myself, I want to see, you know, more more uh, safety data and so we're comfortable but i would have fought just as hard you know if somebody had wanted that vaccine i would have fought just as hard that to ensure that they had the opportunity to get it as long as that was their informed decision i would support that that's what we do as nurses we support autonomy 
But the problem is, is that informed consent never existed because they were saying from the beginning that this shot was safe and defective. And we would have no way of knowing that because we didn't have any long-term safety data. So how could we possibly say? And then that's what ended up leading to me resigning from my position because it's, it's a lie. It doesn't meet the standard for informed consent. And that's something that was very important to me as a nurse was being able to educate and provide my patients with all of the information that they would need to make an informed decision. And that didn't exist. And if we're not giving people all of the information, then they don't really have a choice. I would agree with that. I think a lot of information was either withheld, not transmitted because of, well, I think it's due to uh, money. Yes. Yeah. And I saw a lot of that, you know, in the um, throughout the pandemic, when I worked in the ICU, we would see the use of these um, hospital protocols. I mean, they would tell us all of our patients were dying of COVID, but really they were dying of the medical mismanagement of COVID. They were dying of um, protocols that called for toxic medication remdesivir. And I think a lot of what we were seeing was actually vaccine injury. Um, because what was happening was people would get the vaccine or jab, I don't even like to call it a vaccine, but they would get the jab and then they would um, contract COVID despite that because we know it doesn't prevent transmission. And then people would start thinking they would get COVID and then they would get all of these symptoms later and they believe that that's, those symptoms are then related to long COVID, but they never explore the, uh, um, the idea that potentially it was vaccine injury versus long COVID. There's just so much gray area there. And yes, and um, an interesting point um, is that for the two years prior to the vaccine, I was traveling back and forth to Europe for my job and um, never had a problem. Then after I got home from the hospital, then I got COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, I worked in the ICU for three years and I, I couldn't I couldn't seem to get COVID <laughs> directly caring for COVID patients. And it took me three years to get it. Yeah, I believe that I was a lot, a lot healthier before the jab. Yeah. And you so you had two doses. You had no problem after the first one, but it was after the second one. And then you had the strokes. Is that correct? That is correct. I think I had the first one on. October 15th, thereabouts. Mm -hmm. And then the second one was on November 7th. And then on November 28th, I had two strokes. Yeah. And um, had you had COVID prior to being vaccinated? I did not. Okay. Did you have it after? Yes. Isn't that interesting how that works? <laughs> yeah, very, uh, yeah. very interesting. Yeah, I think I think we saw a lot of that. And like I said, I think it's um, it's unfortunate, but we were seeing a lot of vaccine injury and maybe at the time didn't even realize what we were seeing. But I was seeing things early on. I was still at the bedside and when the vaccines rolled out and I believe it was December of 2020. Um, I started seeing a lot of strokes, a lot of um, cardiac conditions. We started seeing paralysis. So there, there were a lot of things that that made me question and it was always in close proximity to the jab um, and it was enough to make me start questioning and really digging deeper into what was happening um, 
but now you're so your employer mandated this did you uh try to or attempt to do any type of medical exemption or religious exemption or philosophical exemption of any kind um airbus offered a medical and religious well of course having no family history of any diseases um i didn't qualify for any medical um exemption and i didn't qualify for a religious exemption so um although they offered those um, and I didn't apply because I didn't meet the criteria. So now that they were for- forcing, really, I mean, they were forcing, they were t- so they were telling you if you didn't get the, the shot that they were going to fire you with no benefits, no, you were just going to lose everything. That's correct. Um, and when I got out of the hospital, um, I, because I love my job, I've been doing this 40 years. Um, I went back to work, but of course not flying, but as a simulator instructor. Um, and I did that for about a year. Then my uh, family doctor, who I've been seeing every three months for just checkups and so on, um, noticed that my blood pressure was rising and had some headaches that I wasn't able to get rid of. And he said, okay, it's time to stop working. So that's how I ended up working at all. Yeah. Now, do you do you hold some you know animosity towards your employer for the situation that you're in right now? Well, the the the, the emails that they sent out, um, they said they were mandating it because the government, because um, we are a government contractor, right. had mandated it for them. So um, it's too early to tell. But uh, my belief right now is that they were reacting to what the government told them. And I think that's pretty much what happened across the board with different corporations, different, you know, especially um, we saw it coming down in the hospitals, mostly in the nonprofits and the facilities that relied more heavily on federal dollars. Those are the places and facilities where these mandates came down first. The private corporations, um, they held out pretty much as long as they could, I felt like. Um, But, you know, People need to realize that we've had the power all along to stop this. You know, it just, it really takes people banding together, banding together and standing up and saying, no, no more. Um, You know, if you look at the nurses, I feel like the nurses could have stopped this very early on if we had started, you know, standing up and advocating. You know, the moment that they told us our patients couldn't have an advocate at their side, we should have stood up and said, absolutely not. Um, and when they started coming after everybody and wanting to vaccinate everybody without any question, there's just a shot in every arm, very dangerous move. And we know better as medical professionals, but so many didn't say anything. There were 11 IT workers. I cannot remember what state it is. I talk about, I reference this all the time. I'm going to have to research what state it was in. I think it may have been in New York, but there were 11 of them and they band together and they said, absolutely not. They did not want this shot. Um, They stood against it and they were able to stop that mandate for everybody within their company because they could not function without this team of 11 IT workers. Can you imagine what could have happened if the nurses had done something like that or imagine what would have happened or look what happened when the pilots did it when the pilots stood together with um with us freedom flyers right they affected real change why is that not happening i i don't know that's a very very good question um Mm -hmm. unfortunately working for airbus 
um, it's, it's, there weren't very many pilots there. So it's not like um, an airline, for example, um, mm -hmm. where our, we didn't have, I know there were a couple of good friends of mine who refused to get vaccinated and then said, well, if they fire me, they fire me. Um, right. Now I wish I had done that. Right. And I, it's, it's fairly unfortunate that that's not happening because we do, again, the power belongs with the people. We have always had the power. We have the numbers to really right the ship, but too many, unfortunately, um, lack the courage. And that's something that we've got to work on. America Out Loud Talk Radio plays on the iHeartRadio network. You can also listen on our media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. We have the best in-class apps available on Apple, Android, or Alexa, 24-7, great talk radio. All of our apps go to, sorry, all of our shows go to podcast the following day. You can hear them on apps such as Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart Podcasts, and many more. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts for me. Don't forget to check out our online store at americaoutloud.shop, where you can find all of the products that we represent on our network at a discounted rate, including a sea of redox, which I can personally speak to seeing fantastic results with, including better sleep, increased energy, improved mood, and a decrease in my joint pain. Use promo code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your purchase. I'll catch you on the other side of this break. Stay with us. It's time and this is This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body, and now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. In 2008, people could spend an average of 12 seconds on a task without becoming distracted. Five years later, it was only eight seconds. 
the digital age is narrowing our attention span. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top, shoot it down. Thousands of five-star reviews proves it works. Supercharge your brain and see the difference. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. Wherever you're listening from today and whatever you're doing, I thank you for giving me the gift of your time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.news your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. If you're just joining us, I've been talking with vaccine-injured pilot Tim McAdams. Let's jump right back in. Tim, thanks again for being here with me. Thanks for having me, Kimberly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, thank you for sharing your story. It's so important that we uh, continue to get these stories out there. I think that, you know, your story, um, there's, there's so many others like you who have experienced um, a, a medical condition or a new medical diagnosis following their vaccination. And perhaps they're not connecting the dots that this is in any way related to, because as you you came to find out um, doctors and nurses are very quick to shut down that possibility they are very quick to say that it was in no way related to the job so there are many people out there who are suffering from other you know new health conditions that they they're just not connecting the dots that it's related to the vaccine and to me that's just it's so sad so it's so important that we continue to share these stories and, 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 you know, get people thinking. I totally agree. Yeah, because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people just, they don't realize. And the more that we hear these stories that are suppressed and so in mainstream media, you wouldn't, you're, you're going to be hard pressed to find stories like yours in the mainstream media at all, because they are still using the, the narrative safe and effective. Do you think that these, in your estimation, that these jobs are safe and effective? Um. I definitely do not think they are. And that um, brings up a story of mine that I learned in my research that when the vaccine companies petitioned the government, it was back in the Reagan administration, I think, to give them immunity, their argument was that their product was inherently dangerous 
Yeah. And that's why they needed immunity. And now all of a sudden, after no testing, it's safe and effective. I don't believe that. Right. And I think a lot of people push that that narrative about, you know, well, there's nothing that, that can be done because they, they have immunity. And there's no immunity when we're talking about fraud and a fraud has been committed because there was no informed consent. So with no in, informed consent by using the word safe and effective, that is an absolute fraud. And their immunity does not exist in the presence of fraud. So let's make sure that we're telling everybody that and screaming that from the rooftops because we, we keep telling everybody that oh, they, there's no liability, but there is. There is when there's fraud involved. Um, so, and I think that that is, it's gonna be upon all of us to continue to put these stories out there. So what is your, you know, do you have plans moving forward to, are you just gonna be continuing to share your story or are you planning to advocate more for uh, injured, like others who are injured like you? Yes, my plan, well, because I've lost my medical yeah. and because of the dizziness spells that I still encounter, I don't think it's likely I will ever get it back. So. Um, now that I've been forced to retire, um, my plan is to help advocate and tell my story and hopefully it will resonate with, with, uh, other people so that they can learn. Um, cause had, had I heard this story before, I would never have taken the shot. Right. Right. And that's the problem is that people aren't hearing these stories. They're not hearing them in the mainstream media. You have to go to alternative news sources, uh, platforms like mine, uh, or, you know, others that are out there outside of the mainstream uh, in order to even, you know, even hear a whisper of a story like this, because again, the narrative is safe and effective period. And people are so brainwashed. I mean, even though they know it's not working, we're on, I think, number seven booster now for a, a shot that doesn't prevent transmission. So I, I don't know wh when the end is in sight for people to wake up, but it's so important that we continue to get these stories out there um, because the the more, you know, we know that this with the spike protein, there's a cumulative effect. So the more uh, shots people get, it's like playing Russian roulette, the more uh, danger they are in of having a serious event uh, such as the one that you've had. So it's, it's thank you for sharing your story. And it's so important um, for all of us to get out there and start standing in the gap for others and, and helping people to realize um, that this, these shots aren't safe and effective. They never were. Yes, and I totally agree. Um, I do not think they are safe or effective. Yeah. And that for me as a nurse, that was the biggest problem that I had was, you know, I was fine with saying, hey, you know, we just don't have the information. But if, you know, if this is something you feel like you your risk outweighs um, or, you know, your your benefit outweighs the risk, then by all means, go ahead and get it. But understand that we just don't know what the long term effect long term effects of these vaccines will be. So I think that that's so important in, in moving forward. I hope that um, that's going to be something that people start paying more attention to. For sure. You know, but so what do you think, you know, in hindsight, looking at things, what do you think um, they could have done differently? Do you think that they could have given you um, more information or just been more transparent? Would that have helped you to make a more informed decision if they if they weren't pushing that safe and effective narrative, if they were more transparent 
um, or, and, you know, of course not mandating. Um, yes, definitely. I think transparency would have been better. And um, the mandate thing, if they want to develop a vaccine for people that want to take it, then that's fine. But right. I don't think they should mandate or force it upon other people, especially threatening other people's jobs if they don't. Right. And particularly with a, a shot, again, that doesn't prevent transmission. You know, we're talking about um, public health measures, but it doesn't it doesn't prevent transmission. So there is in no. No way this should this should have never happened. It should have never happened. But so, you know, we talked a little bit about vaccines, how I, I at this point don't trust any of them. Um, but do you what do you think can be done, if anything? Do you, I, I feel like, you know, the captured government agencies and um, Big Pharma have really overplayed their hands um, over these last three years. So there is the public trust in vaccines has decreased. I mean, to almost not enough, obviously, because people are still out there getting their booster shots. But do you think that there's any going back? Do you think that there's a way to improve public trust in vaccines moving forward? That's a very good question, which I I don't know the answer to. But I don't think vaccines are the answer. I think all these booster shots just allow executives at Big Pharma to make their boat payments. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You're, you're not wrong. And I'll tell you, I think that, you know, I, I've, I've really come to the conclusion that we're all vaccine injured on some level. If you start thinking about all of the chronic disease and illnesses that we, we see in this country, uh, the ADHD, the autism, and uh, we are now have like one in 36 children uh, are diagnosed with autism, um, the increase in ADHD and food intolerances, allergies, all of the autoimmune conditions. It seems to me that there's something is causing all of these things. And we now have, even just from when I was a child, there's like probably 30 or 40 more vaccines on the childhood schedule. So it's really um, easy to see that, that there may be some link between uh, these vaccines and all of the instance of chronic disease that we see in this country. Yeah, I definitely think there is a link for sure. And I think that what we should do is get back to promoting a healthy lifestyle. Yes. With exercise, eating right, and, and so on. But and that doesn't happen anymore. I don't think it happens because there's no money in it. Exactly right. Exactly right. And 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 Stan and the the training that you know we get as nurses that doctors get, it always ends with the prescription pad. That's the first place that they go. You know, and I worked in the ICU and I talk about this all the time, how it was just so depressing to me to be an ICU nurse and to see all of the the disease and despair that would come in through those doors, even pre-COVID, was all things that could have been prevented with lifestyle changes, uh, healthier diet and some exercise. But nobody's ever talking about these things. They're only talking about what, oh, you have th these symptoms. What is the best prescription medication that we can give you and then that causes 10 other problems and you know it's just a never-ending vicious cycle and nobody is getting to the root cause and that's why you know i'm excited about what we're creating with remnant nursing because we are you know looking at um, we're, we're nursing from a more holistic perspective we're getting to the root cause of problems and we're eradicating them and we're looking at more natural ways trying to get our clients off of the pharmaceuticals um, because people that don't feel well chronically, if you look at how many medications, my patients on average were, were probably on about 25 to 30 prescription medications a day. Yeah, I, 
I'm I'm totally against that and much, much more in favor of just living a healthy lifestyle and mm -hmm. an interesting story. Um, when I was in the hospital, I had probably 15 or 20 doctors who came in time to time. And one doctor came in and he seemed interested. So I asked him, I said, hey, I had done everything my whole life, exercised, ate right, and I you know, did all this stuff. Yet something like this happens to me. And he said, well, you can't look at it that way. He goes, you have to look at it. everything you've done to maintain your health is the reason you survive. Because yeah. most people would never have survived this. That's true. That's true. And I think, you know, moving forward, and that's why I'm a big believer in uh, constant detoxification, because, you know, we're just continually detoxifying our bodies, because there's so many different you know, between the food we eat, the water we drink, the air we breathe, they are coming at us from every different angle, it feels like. Um, and our only and best defense is going to be that continued detoxification, healthy lifestyle, eating right, getting exercise and keeping our immune system at its, you know, in tip top shape. And that's how we're going to combat these, you know, different viruses, diseases, anything that's coming down the pike. That is how we are going to, that's going to be our best defense. It's really our only defense when we think about it. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. And I think developing more drugs to combat issues in life is the wrong way to go. I think just living a healthy lifestyle, eating the right foods and exercising um, is the most beneficial. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And moving moving forward, that is what I hope to and I will be advocating for that. And I, I'm, I love seeing, you know, people like you who are, you know, have had this really tragic event but you're taking it and you're turning it and you're using it for good and to help other people and that is so important um we've got to get these stories out there and inspire and encourage other people because so many people were were afraid to to stand up because that's that's quite the um ultimatum they were giving people you know to get this shot or they're going to lose everything you know for me i i lost a lot i gave up a lot i walked away but a lot of people don't feel like they, I don't, my child, luckily my child's grown, you know, so that was not a consideration. But I think about these people that have children, small children at home, they have families to feed. And I can, I can understand how difficult a, a choice, it, it doesn't know, it almost doesn't feel like a choice, right? Yeah, exactly. You're faced with losing everything or losing your life. And mm -hmm. now that um, I've been through that, I could say losing my house, and all the other things that would have been minor compared yes. to everything through. Yeah, once you lose your health, that's a whole other story. And that's what I try to impart on people all the time when they say, hey, listen, you know, they, I have people that come up to me all the time, Tim, and they're, they're thanking me. They're like, thank you so much for what you did. I wish I could speak out like you have, but I have a mortgage to pay. I have bills to pay and I have all of those things too. So, I mean, it's not like I, I was able to do this or I was in any kind of a better position. I mean, I didn't have the financial provisions. Certainly, I'm just a nurse, you know? I didn't have financial provisions to walk away from my career, but at no point was I going to put a paycheck ahead of human life. I could not do it. I couldn't sleep at night knowing that I was, was lying to people and potentially like leading them down a path to, to devastation and to death. I couldn't do it. 
So many have, um, and and it just it's so disturbing to me. We've got to get to a point where we are inspiring courage in others, giving them the courage to stand up and speak out and say, you know what, no more. Because like I, I t- we talked about this earlier, we have the power and we have all of the numbers to right this ship. Um, and I totally agree, and um, I think it's very admirable what you're doing because. Um, I've talked to a lot of doctors, as you can imagine, mm. and uh, most of them prioritize paycheck over patient health, which I think is wrong. It is. It's 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 in, it's incredibly wrong, and you know, and that's why I try to tell people like I have to do this, but I have to have a paycheck. I have to have an income, and I'm like, well, you know, you can't support your family if you're dead. You can't support your family if you are disabled. So I think it's so important for people to understand that the consequences, you know, you're you're going to end up losing everything anyway. And I think in this country, and just in general, we've really got to. We have to learn to become okay with being uncomfortable. You know, I, I become increasingly more uncomfortable by the day, but I'm okay with it, right? I've lost a lot, but I'm okay with it because until we become okay with being uncomfortable, we are just always gonna be at the mercy and we're gonna be a slave. We are gonna be a slave to our government unless we can get it, our head around the fact that we can be okay. We can do other things. Yes, and I would agree totally. Now, so moving forward, what what type of advocacy? I know you're going to continue to tell your story uh, and all of that. Are there other um, avenues that you're going to take, uh, you know, as far as uh, helping other people to um, maybe, you know, help other people to avoid this type of situation with their employer? Yes, my um, my focus now is just going to be and I'm telling my story as often as I can. And if I can help just one person, yeah. um, that would be good. It really does make all the difference. Like I said, just kind of talking, uh, talking through everything and, um, and, and being that voice, because like, like we've, we've discussed, there's not enough people that are speaking up and speaking out. Yeah. So if, if I can, wherever I can tell my story, um, I, I've started a little sub stack where I write things that have happened to me so that hopefully somebody might see that it might just, if, if it just gets one person thinking, that's good. Exactly. And make sure that you include, well, give me, give me the link to that. We'll definitely include that in the show notes and we'll share that out with our listeners as well um, so that they can make sure that they can find you. And do you have a website or anything like that, Tim? I don't have a website. I started writing on the Substack because when I when I stopped working, I want to keep my mind active and I want to keep working on something. So mm-hmm. um, we're we're right in the process now of moving. We had to sell the house, and um, so um, I've been the last few months have been pretty hectic. But I'm hoping in the next month to start again. There's a couple stories on there, but. I haven't been there, haven't written anything in a few months. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll I'll tell you, I will make sure that we get uh, the link to that and we'll share it out. I'll certainly share it uh, in my sub stack as well. And trying to, you know, we want to get your story out there and, and have people connecting with you and just talking about what they can do and how, you know, you can be a, a resource for them 
moving forward. Uh, so we'll definitely get all of that information out there. And and if there's anything that we can do for you here at uh, Nurses Out Loud on Nurse Freedom Network and at Remnant Nursing, I, I hope you know that uh, we are here to support you any way that we can. And we're so thankful for you for continuing to uh, to put others, uh, you know, needs uh, really ahead of your own as you're struggling, but you're still willing to get out there and sh- and share your story. So there, thank you so much for that. Well, thank you for um, all the help you have given and offered in the future. Absolutely, and we'll have to have you back again, Tim, uh, and just to talk about you know what what kind of progress you're making, and and uh, we'll definitely be following your story very closely. Okay. Very good. And um, there is one thing I, I would want to say, and this is a very broad thing. If you find yourself going into a hospital, because um, right now there, I don't know how far along the nursing shortage is, but if you can have an advocate, um, like I had, I was lucky to have my wife, daughter, and sister who were able to stay with me 24 hours a day and keep an eye on things because um you know, people are human, they make mistakes. And it's always good to have second set of eyes. And that made a huge difference in my recovery. Absolutely. And that's, that's something that's so important that, that we do have advocates at the, uh, at the side, the bedside. Um, and I, at this point, really encourage people to avoid hospitals if at all possible. But we understand, you know, that sometimes you do have to go in. And that's why we do offer advocacy services as well at Remnant Nursing. Um, and we encourage people to, uh, to look into that if they don't have any viable advocacy options. We do have nurses that will advocate for you. You can learn more about that. And we'll include that in the show notes as well, remnantnursing.org. But so important, again, to have that. There's if, if COVID showed us anything, it's that there is value in having an advocate at, at the side um, during a, a hospital admission, because with those uh, positive COVID diagnosis, we, they ended up getting a bounty on their heads because of the, the, the large number of financial kickbacks that hospitals were getting for those, um, those positive COVID tests. So again, I think it's, it's important to, to realize that, um, that you, you you have rights. You can refuse things like COVID testing when the, the t- uh, outcome of the test isn't going to change the plan of the treatment. It's not necessary to have that test done and then have that bounty on your head. So having uh, nurses there to help navigate those situations, there's, there's a whole lot of value in that as we've come to find out. And I didn't know that uh, Remnant Nursing offered that service, but I would highly recommend that because I was fortunate enough to have my wife, daughter, and sister um, but I saw a lot of people who did not have an advocate and their um, result was not as good. Yes, exactly. And we and that, that is definitely that's one of our, our biggest things that we provide is advocacy services. And we're starting to provide in-home services as well, because I think people are starting to realize that they are safer at home with the nurse than going into the hospital. So we um, are able to, in, in certain areas, place our nurses in the home for people if they're sick and they're needing to get through COVID or another illness. And then unfortunately, you know, sometimes the, those cases will escalate. Our nurses are, of course, trained to know when that would need to escalate to an admission, but they uh, then go to the hospital with our client and then they have a built-in advocate right there at their side. 
and and even even having family members though it's again they don't always have the education or knowledge of how to navigate this system that nurses do we have all of that kind of inside information and we know all of the ins and outs of how to deal with these people who to deal with so it's it's definitely there's a lot of value in it and that's one of um, the things we definitely pride ourselves on is being able to provide those very important advocacy services yeah, I, I would agree those are very, very important. I saw yeah. that first. It, it can literally mean the, the difference between life and death at this point. It definitely does. Absolutely. Well, Tim McAdams, thank you so much for being here. And again, we'll have you back on. Well, thank you very much, Kimberly. And um, again, if, if I can be of help, it just for um, making a difference for one person, then that is my intent. Absolutely. Thank you, Tim. And that's all the time that we have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. You can also catch the Encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses. As we walk you through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton, and you can find me here every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. Tune in tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern as I hand off the baton to Nurse Michelle. We are in a war for truth. We are putting out a bounty on the real misinformation and exposing the purveyors of propaganda. No topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time.